Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. I know. That happens when I get ready to start preaching. I know. <laughs> I, I, For those of you that, that are just kind of entering in the walls of this, this church and this community and connecting with one another. I can tell you, 10 years ago, that was not a sound within these walls. And they are always welcome sounds. Right? Amen. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. So this morning, I'd ask that you, you turn uh, in your Bible, your own Bible. There may be Bibles under your chairs. Um, or you can pull out your phone, and if you have the Bible app, any of the Bible apps on your phone, you can pull that out too. Matthew chapter 5, that's in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, four, four Gospels, the narratives of Jesus' life, or birth, life, death, and resurrection. We're going to land there eventually. We're going to land there eventually. Matthew chapter 5, we'll read 1 through 12. This morning, we cannot be what we are not. Let me repeat that. We cannot be what we are not. We can try, but it's not sustainable, is it? As a recovering people pleaser, as I am, People pleasers have this way of interacting with people in their life and they take on attributes and personality characteristics, ideas and philosophies of other people so that they can belong. But even in that moment, that's not very sustainable. We cannot be what we are not because we eventually lose ourselves in trying, don't we? And you will eventually be found out. I think there's this idea that many of us walk throughout life with this imposter syndrome. That somebody's going to look behind the curtain and find us out. That we're not who we are. That we're frauds. You cannot be who you are not. You can try. And in fact, you can live your entire life that way. But the greatest tragedy of it all, beyond not being true to yourself, beyond being a fraud, beyond being the people pleaser, the greatest tragedy of it all is that you will die not having lived as God designed you to live. 
I'd like for you to do time travel with me for a moment. In your, your mind's eye, in your imagination, remember, like, when you were kids in elementary school, they'd put on your, put on your imagination hats, right? We're going we're gonna to put on our imagination hats for a second, okay? I'd like for you to time travel. 359 days from today. That lands us in a particular time. New Year's Eve 2024. 359, I did the math. We have a leap. This is a leap year. We have an extra day to hone in our hearts, to make a lot of choices. 359 days from now, I'd like for you to just imagine yourself. Now, that's in time, but in space. Many of you were in places on New Year's Eve 2023. So try to combine those two, if you will. Just put yourself 2024 in the place that you were in 2023, okay? Time and space. And I would like for you to ask yourself this question. Who is it that God desires you to become? 350 days from now, who is it that God desires you to become? Ask yourself another pivotal question. Who is it that you desire to become? See, knowing who you are is of great importance. I don't deny that. But there are many, many people, and it's a thing, it's, it's a new kind of new thing-ish within the last 15, 15 years or so that college students or graduates of high school take a gap year. Back in the 60s, it was, we're going to hitchhike across the country to find ourselves, right? It, the, the new thing is to take a gap year and travel, and it continues to grow. High school students take a gap year, all so that they can find themselves. Asking the all-important existential question that every person asks in their own way. Who am I? Who am I? If I'm asking you, it would be, who are you? At least once a week, I hear the Who's song, Who Are You, on the radio. Who are you? You can spend your entire existence asking that existential question. Who am I? Today, I, I want you to flip that question. Flip the question. To ask yourself, who will you become? Because we cannot be what we are not, but we can become what we are not yet. We can become what we are not yet. See, Jesus actually flipped it on its end. We ask, who am I? But he really presses your inner wall and said, who will you become? So I'd like for you to fast forward in your mind 
At the end of this year, who will you be because of the choices, the sum of the choices that you will make over the course of this year? Because they will have compounding effect on your life. Would you mind turning to Matthew chapter 5? Matthew chapter 5, verse 1 through 12. Matthew wrote, Now when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on, the, on a mountainside and sat down, just like rabbis did. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now, I, I want you to understand that it's not just the twelve, okay? It's not just his inner circle. There's a crowd, crowd of people. This is what we often dub the Sermon on the Mount. I kind of like the message to the misfit. It kind of fits for me. It's the homily for the human being trying to be human. And he says this, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The Jetsons, nice. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. See, Jesus, he flips it. He flips the question from who are you to who will you become. See, what he has set here are attributes and characteristics of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. Poor in spirit, those who mourn, those who are meek, a gentle strength, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, merciful, pure in heart, peacemakers, those are persecuted for unrighteousness. What's really interesting to me is none of that's easy. None of that's easy for us. Poor in spirit. Literally, humble. Humble of heart. The opposite is easy. The opposite, which he doesn't mention, is rich in human effort, rich in religion, attempting to get to God. Those who mourn for guys, for men, were emotionally incarcerated. We are. 
We suppress, we push down everything that is emotion. We don't want to show it. We don't want to see it. Especially if we're in a profession such as fire, police, military, where you gotta, you got to be tough. Emotions don't have anything to be a part of it, and we become emotionally incarcerated. Or the opposite of that is to filter everything through your emotion, to make all decisions through emotion. Guess what? That's easy. Blessed are the meek. The meek are, have this gentle strength. That's not easy. We don't fall into that, do we? What do we fall into? Brash, abrasive arrogance and pride. That's what comes easy to the human. Right? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. No, what comes easy for, for us is to ensure that we are right. We seek to be right rather than righteous. We seek our own goodness and we measure ourselves by our own standard and everyone else by our own standard. Leaving our soul thirsting, dying, emaciated. Blessed are, are those who are merciful. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy's not getting what you do deserve. What comes easy for us? What do we fall naturally into? Criticism, condemnation, vengeance, violence, hatred. Those are easy for us as humans. Everything that Jesus is setting up, attributes of the kingdom of God, those are hard. Have you ever noticed in your life how easy anger can come to surface? You ever know that? Notice that? When you're frustrated, whether it's with someone or even with yourself. I remember algebra, eighth grade. I was one of those. Yeah, yuck. I was a straight D student in algebra. Mom was so proud. These do get degrees. But I, I remember sitting at that desk in my, my bedroom, frustrated. And immediately what came to surface was anger. I was frustrated with it, but I was angry. And I immediately punched a hole in my wall. That comes easy, doesn't it? We don't fall into health and well-being. We don't fall into holiness. We don't fall into wholeness, do we? We don't fall into completeness. Those are not easy. Those come with intention, with decision-making, with hard choices. You don't fall into being pure of heart. Because what comes easy for the human being, because we long to belong, we long to connect, 
We long to have intimacy. We long to find meaning. What, what comes easy is, well, not pure. Sexual intimacy. That's what comes easy for us. Because we long for something that's deep inside of us. To be filled. Purity just doesn't happen. We have to choose that, don't we? The things that Jesus has set up here. You don't get on your own. It just doesn't magically happen. I dream of Jeannie for all those youngins that don't know. That's what that was. <laughs> you just can't nod your head or make it happen. The things of the kingdom are things that you have to be intentional with each and every day. The person that you want to become is all about intention each and every day, isn't it? Well, there's a conversation that John has, John the Baptist. If you wouldn't mind flipping over to John chapter 3, it should be up on the screen if you can't flip over there. There's a moment where John the Baptist is being questioned about Jesus and his life. And he comes to a very key conclusion. But I, I at least want to start at verse 27. That won't be up there. That's okay, guys. This is John's reply. A man can receive only what is given him from heaven. We just walked through very key characteristics of the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus reshaping the way we are to become and to be human. And John just clarifies, folks, you can't get that on your own. It doesn't come just out of the air. It comes from heaven. Therefore, you have to press in to heaven. And the one who owns heaven. But he continues and he says this. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Christ being sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom awaits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. And look what he says. He must become greater. I must become less. John was definitely referring to, a, to his position. But in that, I think John understood something about the kingdom of God. And he also understood something about being human. If you want the kingdom of God to shift the way you are as a human being, we must allow Jesus to increase in our life. And what comes natural for us, you and me, what becomes easy for us must become less. There's an intention behind it. It won't just happen. Your 2024 will be the sum of your choices, won't it? 
who you will be on that New Year's Eve, 359 days from now, will be the sum of the choices in which you make. I've been a part of a, a global think tank for the last several months. It's primarily on the phone where you can interact with each other, pressing each other, and this global think tank is called the arena. Because you don't gain anything if you don't step into the arena. The idea behind this is that you develop your character, you develop your leadership, and you develop your communication. Proverbs says, he who walks with the wise becomes wise. So the idea behind this is just sharpening one, one another. In, in a Zoom meeting, one of the folks, I, I won't forget it, he was going to ask a question. But before he asked the question, he prefaced the question. And he said, you can work so hard and so long and not see any progress. You ever been there? Oh, yeah. You can work so long and so hard and not see any progress. You can start to make the decisions and feel like you're not progressing. James Clear, author of Atomic Habits, first heard him at the Global Leadership Summit. And ever since I heard what I'm about to share, it's never left me. I've tried to push it away, and it just continues to come back. Well, in his book, he talked about a plane leaving LAX, Los Angeles, California, destined for New York. And if the pilot flying that plane just adjusted the heading by three and a half degrees, it won't land in New York. Any guesses where it may land? Three and a half degrees south, by the way. I should have clarified that. Where? Well, yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to land south. It's not going to land in New York. Where is it going to land? Bingo. Wow. Look at that, man. You get the gold star for the day. Anybody got a gold star in their pocket? Just give it to this lady right here. Alana, well done. You're right. 204 miles south of New York. Just three and a half degrees adjusting the heading. When you leave LAX and you adjust that, that heading just slightly, it's almost unnoticeable. But over the course of the continent of the United States, the continent of North America and the country of the United States, you eventually are so far off course. What James Clear is talking about is this philosophy of the 1%. That's uncanny. The 1%. It's barely noticeable, isn't it? 1% in your life is barely noticeable. In fact, for most of us in our savings account, <laughs> half a percent is barely noticeable, isn't it? You ain't getting much out of your money in the savings account, are you? But it's that 1%. It's almost this unnoticeable difference. But James Clear unpacks this idea of the 1%. If, if you just get better 1% each day, over the course of a year, 
you've gotten 37% better. Just 1%. But if you choose 1% worse every day, you will eventually work yourself to virtually zero. This thought continues to eat at me. 1%, 1%, just 1% better. 1% better in my day. 1% better in my choices. And so I'm going to be a little vulnerable for you. I've tried to push this into my life and apply it spiritually as well. Because what comes natural for us is, is bitterness. Anger, bitterness, they, they work together. As well as resentment. I've noticed in me that there's bitterness there. Because of anger. And so what I've chosen to do is to break bitterness in my life. How do I do that? I don't have a scientific journal to tell you, but what I, what I chose to do was to serve the people in which I'm bitter towards or angered towards or frustrated towards. If I step into serving that person, whomever that may be, I can break the bitterness. Another aspect of my life that I've, I've tried to get 1% better over the course of the last several months is almost apathy. I run and run and run and run, and there are moments where you just don't want to run anymore, right? We have to have a rhythm. But I also notice in my life that there are things that I just don't want to do, that I need to do, that either create anxiety for me to do, or I just want to sit and not do them. The moment that I've I felt that, oh, I just don't want to. Stepped into it. Trying to just move the needle just a little bit. Just a little bit. Have I failed? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just moving the needle. The other thing that I noticed that many, many, many of us in the room probably do. As a pastor... You might think that I only work an hour and a half a a week. Oh, I've heard it many times. Not from you. No, 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 not from you. But as soon as you hit the office or as soon as you hit the factory, as soon as you hit the classroom, you run and you run and you run and you run and you run. And I noticed, especially during this season of, of Renault, that I was coming in and I was immediately doing things. And when I looked back over my day, there was zero scripture in my day. The light bulb went off. It's like, oh, this can't happen. Right? Just 1% better every day. So this was my choice. The phone is very easy to become apathetic with, right? You, don't, you can ignore everything. And you can look at people's lives. The natural, how many of you open Facebook or social media the first thing in the morning? Raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Be honest. How many of you pull out your phone? There you go. At least a few of us are honest today. It's church, man. 
what I noticed was when I, I found myself having time, that's what I did because I wanted to shut things out. So before I opened up the Bible app, if I saw my tendency to go to Facebook or social media, I opened up the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, and I read the scripture of the day. 1%. 1%. Some of us are not reading scripture at all. Just 1%. So I was having a conversation with Alizé. I told her this morning that I was probably going to use this moment, use this today. I was having a conversation with Alizé. She's a college student. She's been serving here for, for several years. And she said, I, I, I want to become a member. I was like, how do we do that? Because our classes are when you're at school. So I met with her two times at Winans over Christmas break for our DNA class, our Wapaknaz DNA class. And as I was going through our history, she's been around these, these walls and these people for years. I started sharing our history. We started with two families meeting together in the fall of 1925. And all they did was pray together. That's what they did. Then they, they, they said, we're going to have a revival. So they met in spring of 1926 and they had a revival. And at that revival, the birth of Wapaknaz, Wapakoneta Church of the Nazarene back then, happened with six new people. The basement, which I call the dungeon, that was dug out and built by those that were before us. They would come in from the fields on, uh, after work, and they would start digging, and then they would lay the concrete. This is around the 1940s. And then in the 50s, they said, we're growing, so we need to, to build another sanctuary, which is now our children's area, Adventure Cove. One family donated all the trees that were on their property. They harvested those trees, and another family, a part of this church, they had a mill, and they milled all those trees, and the floor, the creaky floor upstairs that you walk on, those are those trees. They came in, and they built that sanctuary. And then in our history, we sent two missionaries, a missionary family, to Swaziland, which is a place that has a new name, and I don't even remember what that name is, but it's right near Mozambique. These are one of the first Nazarene missionaries to enter the continent of Africa. And we just had the Shigwala family here at our VBA over the summer from Mozambique. And you supported them by raising funds for a child development center. Because in Mozambique, that is one of the places in Africa and actually in the globe that is absolutely exploding with new believers in Jesus Christ. We were the ones that sent one of the first missionaries. In our history, we planted the Church of the Nazarene in Jackson Center. No longer exists, but we tried. We also helped with Crytersville Church of the Nazarene, which is just down the road and still exists today. She looked at me and she said, we're starters, aren't we? I said, I have never heard that before, and you're right. We are starters. Congratulations. You're a starter. Just by entering this room and a part of this community, you're a starter. That is in our DNA. When I look around, I see a lot of starters. I can just think of three businesses right off the top of my head. 
because people just started their business. Some of you started coming to Wapaknaz today for the very first time. Some of you started something amazing. We're starters, aren't we? You and I are starters. Where do you begin? Where does the 1% start? With you today. Who is it that you will become tomorrow? Who is it that you will become in 2024 at the end of the year? When you look back on who you are, God truly desires you to become poor in spirit, meek and humble, gentle strength, hungering and thirsting for righteousness. He desires you to be that peacemaker, but you cannot be what you are not. But we can become what we are not yet. Debbie Lynch, in a Thursday morning life group, said something to me into the group that I had to write down. She said, you have to have a new vision for yourself. You have to have a new vision for yourself. So today's your day. What's your vision for yourself? What's God's vision for you? It doesn't take a whole lot. It just takes 1%. Just 1% of your choice. Choosing a little bit better each and every day. And over the course of your, your year, you're going to look back and go, Wow. This is amazing. What was unnoticeable by that one choice each and every day, by the end of the year you go, that distance that I have, have crossed is the distance from New York to Washington, D.C. It's a new destination. It's a new place. Jesus wants to give that to you. Now he understood that he couldn't just give 1% of himself him it didn't work that way he said for all of humanity I'm giving 100% of me so that you can become who I designed you to be become your design we have to look to the designer for that he gave his all on the cross for all of you and me. Today's the day. You may not be going, I'm all in. Just go in 1%. Shift it. Shift your mindset. Shift your choices. But in order to have access to God, you do need to go all in. You need to give your whole heart over. I challenge you today. Today's the day. Would you mind bowing your heads and your hearts for just one moment? And I just want to talk with you. In the silence of the moment, whatever you're carrying, whatever are the cares in your life, the baggage, the pain, the tragedy, 
today's the day you cross that line of faith. You have to go all in with him. You can't give just a part of you. Trust me, I've tried. So I want to push you and encourage you today. Today's the day in which you cross that line of faith. That you come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because he gave his all for you to have life, to live life abundantly, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and change the trajectory of your destination. If that's you, I'm just asking you to pray a simple prayer. It's not everything. It's not the whole conversation. It's just the beginning of the conversation. But I'm asking you, I'm asking you to give Jesus your life. All 100% of it. Jesus, I give you my life. Because you gave yours for me. Where I am today, is not necessarily where you've designed me to be. Jesus, I give you my life as you gave your life on the cross for my sin. Forgive me. I give you my life. And I want to receive yours. I'm asking you, if, if you prayed that for the very first time, I'm asking you to, to make eye contact with me and to raise your hand Please. It's Jesus that makes the difference. And Lord, for all of us in here, when we look into the eyes of the author and perfecter of our faith, your call is, is a call to goodness. It's a call to to greatness, it's a call to service, it's a call to humility, it's a call to, to seek after your heart, to be righteousness, righteous in your eyes, to be right with God and not right in our own eyes. It's a call to love and grace and mercy rather than vengeance and violence and hatred. It's a call to your heart. And so, Lord, Father, for, for all of us in the room, the areas of our life, personal, professional, spiritual, I hope and pray that each and every person in the room has, has identified one thing they, they want to become by the end of this year. Whether it's pure, holy, complete, healed, or healing, in the word of God, in prayer, tapped into the kingdom of God, a man or a woman or a teenager of, of, of ethics and morals based on your heart, whether they're just going to show up early rather than showing up late, whatever it may be, may, will you empower us to choose differently, to become what we are not yet. It is in your name, Jesus, that we pray.
Amen. Would you please stand? One percent. That's it. Just one percent. I will do my best. Maybe I can have some teenagers to remind me. Okay? The last service of this year. Remind me to wear this shirt. You good? This shirt. Because I'm going to ask you, who'd you become? You got me? You going to hold me to it? No? Ethan says no. He's like, bro, no, I got too much on my mind anyways to keep you accountable. (laughs) Hey, I just want you to know we love you. We do love you. Thank you for being people of light, salt, grace, mercy. Thank you for being people of the kingdom. Thank you for loving people to Jesus. Thank you for inviting people, not only to Wapaknaz, but to the Lord. Some of you have been brave already to invite people into this room with this group of people. We're not as weird as you thought we were, are we? Or maybe we are, and it just fits, right? Hey, I love you. May you love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Will you please love your neighbor as yourself? We'll see you next week. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Wapaknaz podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you and that you were moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.